happy Tuesday, everyone. And thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcat podcast. As always, this is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings got a great deal going on for you right now. You put down $1 on any football game, and then you get $150 free play on anything. 21 and over, Arizona only. Gambling problem, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. All right, joined by the great Glenn Parker. And when I say great, I'm not putting that mildly. I don't know a lot of people that have started in five Super Bowls, with the exception of guys like Tom Brady, who might have a little bit of a one-up there. But Glenn's coming to us from uh, upstate New York. And Glenn, why don't you show us a little bit of a view of, uh, where you, of what, you're, what you're dealing with, what you're looking out at right okay, now. Okay, so I'm in the Finger Lakes of New York. Um, I met my wife in college, but uh, she happened to be from Buffalo, New York. So when I got drafted to Buffalo... It, it was perfect. Her family's had one on this same beach for, boy, maybe 75, maybe more years. So when I got the chance, we grabbed them on the same little road. And there's my my porch, but there's my lake as you're looking out at the lake right there. It's a very big lake. The Finger Lakes, um, I'm on Cayuga Lake. It is, um, it's about 35 miles long and about three and a half miles wide. And it's about 550 to 600 feet deep. Do you kayak or anything out there? Uh, no, I have a friend with a boat. He keeps it in my hoist, so I'll go out with him maybe occasionally. Um, I tend to I tend to work when I'm here. I there's a lot to do on a place you only spend a few months a year at. So um, I do a lot of I split a lot of wood, take down a lot of trees, split wood, uh, physical labor stuff like that. That keeps me busy. I'm not Sweet. really into you know it's, I'm a surfer. I've surfed my whole life. I still surf a lot uh, as much as possible and. Lakes just aren't my bag. I like to fish, so I'll do that. But yes, kayaking, swimming, that's not my thing. So is there not a lot of surfing where you're at right now? No, <laughs> you know what? Um, Soda Bay, north of us on Lake Ontario, will get a little bit of a swell now and then. Right. Lake like does have some. But uh, no, I spend most of my time surfing still in Southern California. For sure. That area. So, Glenn, obviously, I don't go back as far as you, but I've watched every game since 1994. Um, And so, you know, I've seen some really good football, saw 94, saw 98. Um, I've also seen John Makovic and Kevin Sumlin eras. And right now, the NAU loss to me just kind of felt like rock bottom, where the program is just kind of, and it's not Jed Fish's fault, but it's it's at a stage right now where I don't know that there's ever been a lower stage. Would you agree, disagree? What are your thoughts? Well, I I think when you're talking about a loss to an FCS program that's in state, yeah, it's it's pretty low. Uh, it's certainly not Fish's fault. But you know, it, it, this is one of those things where he stepped into this. I think this is the culmination of things, and it goes back to um, one. An athletic director back in the 90s saying, we're not going to get in an arms race with facilities. When everybody else was building facilities, we refused to. That's step one in the degradation of this program. Step two, firing Dick Tomey. Well, I'm sorry. In revisionist history now, it's he resigned and was always going to resign. No, he was not. He was run out of town by the fans. And there's a curse on, on us. Because <laughs> For sure. I'm sorry. That man built a solid you know, he built on what Larry Smith had done, and he kept it running for as many years, for so long. It was a solid program. Recruits knew they were going to come here. They are going to win games. And every two to three years, they're going to have a chance at a title or a Rose Bowl or something. Um, when we did those two things, that set us back because then you go and hire Makovic, which I, I don't think he wanted to be here. I don't think – I don't I don't know that it was ever a good fit. 
from the beginning. I don't know who thought it was a good fit. And, um, and when that happened, that set us further back because you have two years of bad football. You set recruiting back four or five years or more. You have to dig out of that. And then in comes Stoops. They do a great job of recruiting right off the bat, but he feels the heat from the fans. The fans got to win, win, win is all they care about rather than building that program like it used to be. And I think that's the problem. So, and, and I know I'm getting into the weeds here a bit, but the fact is these missteps along the way have cost us and led us to this point. It's not a, it didn't happen in a vacuum. It's not overnight. When you're not keeping up the facilities and you're firing great coaches and you're, you're getting bad classes in between and then putting pressure on coaches to win right now, you're going to have this problem. We are not in a position to be a USC. We're not in a position to be in Alabama. We are in a position to compete with those teams year in and year out, and certainly every two to four or five years win the, win the division. We can do that, but we're not going to be perennial title holders until we fix a lot of problems. I always think back to a quote and kind of keeping it on the Tomy era because I think you're exactly right. He set the template for what, you know, how you win at Arizona. And Dennis Northcutt, I thought he had a quote. This was back in about 2004, 2005, where he said, you know what? He said there were schools that were flashier during recruiting. But when I came to Arizona, it was a family environment. You had a coach here that my mother felt cared about me. That the yes, the facilities were terrible. He said they were the they were the worst in the conference of all the schools that I visited. But it didn't matter to my mom because there were at least still weights there and there was an identity there. So she knew worst case scenario, I was going to leave as a better man. I was going to leave with my degree. And lo and behold, he goes off and plays in the NFL for a long time. So the template was there with Tommy because they had an identity as a community type football program. And I don't think that there has been an identity. Since Dick Tomey left there, Glenn. You know, you, you're, you're probably right and for a couple of reasons. One, I was Dick Tomey's first full recruiting class. Mm-hmm. And we were the worst facilities then. We just didn't upgrade the way other places did. And But he knew who he was recruiting, did a great job of recruiting me. And he did, I, I was an older kid, so my parents weren't involved in the decision. I went where I felt it was family as well. Um, but to... Nobody could have foresaw this, but the, the, the when you compile the fact that you have no facilities, you fire a coach, and social media that has happened in the last 10 to 12 years or more, where kids become instant stars in high school and they want the best of the best of the best. They all want to cash in on their name when they're 15 or 16 or 18. Right. You know? And because of that, they weren't interested in us anymore because we didn't have those facilities. They, we couldn't wow them with a barber shop. You know, we couldn't say, wow, look at our indoor facility. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, and so it's, you know, we've got a few things there. One, we didn't do anything to keep up. And two, social media exacerbated that problem, which nobody could have foreseen that. Nobody could have foreseen what social media would do to these kids' brains. Um, so selling a family, I think, is still good. Selling to the parents is still good. But nothing's going to work unless, and, I, and one thing I think Jed Fish has done an unbelievable job of, is understanding that he has to focus on Arizona first, Southern Cal second. Mm-hmm. Rich Rod did not. Tommy, I mean, uh, Stoops did not, and McEvick did not. Um, they didn't want, they didn't, they all went Texas, Texas, Texas. Well, right. here's the problem with Texas. It has less D1 athletes than California, 
and it's recruited by way more D1 universities because there's so many more there and around it. In California, you know, you've got four in the Pac-12, you've got your Arizona, Arizona State, and other than that, and your Oregon, Oregon State. The only other touching programs are Mountain West or Beloved. Right. And so Texas has that many D1 programs in its state, not to mention the Oklahoma, Oklahoma States, the the uh, all the place, LSUs, Arkansas, they're all within a range to come in. And that was a problem for us for a long time. And it used to drive me crazy with, with Stoops and with, with Rich Rod staff is they just, and it wasn't the staff problem. It's that's where their eyes were told to go look. Right. We're going to go here. And you, and you look at it, Glenn, from your time to basically 1998, 1999, when Tommy was let go, you look at the backbone of Arizona football, and people forget. Everybody brings up that, okay, no Rose Bowl, I get that. But you had two top ten finishes. You had the second most wins of any program in the 90s. I mean, in hindsight, people would take that all day. And you look at the structure. You look at the background. You're Glenn Parkers, Southern California. You're Chris McAllister's. Now, granted, he was a little bit of a different case, but still, Southern California. You look at Arizona, you got Rob Waldrop, you got Trung Candidate. We mentioned Dennis Northcutt earlier. Those are the guys that you get to, and it's funny, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but let's stick on it now. That, to me, is the template right there, and that is at least something that I think Fish gets. You look at this first recruiting class, Glenn, it's heavy on Arizona, and it's heavy on Southern California, not going into Texas. The Rich Rod fascination with Florida, I always felt fascinating because, okay, maybe you get a kid here or there, but you're not going to be able to use a life blood of that so one thing dick toby really did well besides arizona he came into california and got the kids that he could get and he got kids out of virginia he got kids out of new jersey if there was an interest the problem again you know today people focus on we focus on texas 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 because they're trained year round so a kid coming out of texas looks great compared to a kid coming out of california right other than the physical look of them Right. Because the kid in Texas has been coached year-round since he was 10 years old. He's not getting any better. Right. As good as he's going to get. Right. So you get this kid who's a two-star, go, oh, he's from Texas, really good because they play the best ball. And then you get him, get him into your program, and that's where he's at for the next five years, never gets any better, never gets to that next level because he's had middle school tackle football, middle school spring football. He's had private coaching. He's had professional coaching his whole career. And it's it's insane. It, it, it's great for those kids in Texas because they feel like superstars, but it's doing them no favors in some ways down the road because they're what they're they're learning and being coached is good, but it's not great. But they never go beyond. They're they're kind of it. We'll fill people in a little bit on your football background because I think that's a little indicative of, you know, a little bit different, obviously, of the California-type kid that has a lot of room for improvement. Fill people in on your background a little well, bit. Well, I'll start off by saying this. One of my favorite quotes was Brady Hoke when he went to San Diego State. You know, in, 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 at San Diego State, he, I asked him because I knew him from his days um, when he had been Auburn and a couple other places. And I was like, I believe Michigan and maybe even somewhere else. But I said, how are you going to win there? That's a program that we always say is going to uh, – San Diego State's about to go to the powerhouse. If they just had their own stadium, which they're getting, so watch out for them. Um, and he said, Glenn, there's more D1 football players walking around campuses in, in California that don't play football that or have very little football, and they're not being recruited by anybody. He goes, that's the kids I'm going after. Within two years of a roster made up of all, almost all Southern California kids that were freshmen and sophomores, he won 10 games, went to a bowl game and beat right. a big pro. That's what he did. 
He knew it because he'd been there his whole life recruiting that area for powerhouses. That being said, I was a kid that walked around on a high school where I didn't play. I surfed and played beach volleyball and basketball at the courts. I didn't play sports. I was I'd been a great athlete up to a certain point and quit them all, as you know, probably from talking to Kevin. Right. Um, and at 20 years old, it was kind of one of those things. I got a, I'm working as a bouncer. I'm underage. I, it's going to take me forever to work through school doing this. I looked at the football team and I'm like, I'm a good athlete. I bet if I'm looking at that guy, get a scholarship. I know I can get a scholarship because I was playing basketball against him at the courts. And these guys were terrible athletes. And I walked up to a coach who happened to be watching me in the gym that day. I said, Hey, I'm going to come out for your team. He said, great. Come see me. I did. He happened to be the offensive line coach that I had talked to. I thought I was talking to the head coach. It happened to be a line coach. He said, you're going to be a left tackle. That's what happened. Seven games later, I was uh, recruited by every team just about in the country and went to chose Arizona. And now why did you choose Arizona? Dick, team, Dick told me knew who he was recruiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. He walked in every other coach. I mean, I love Larry Smith. I liked him a lot. I, SD was my dream when I started that was if I could ever go to SC, I'd be something else. And, you know, every other coach, uh, uh, Johnny Majors, all of them, they showed up at my house in suits and ties. Dick told me knew he was recruiting. He showed up in shorts, flip-flops, and Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> And my, I could tell right then and there, my mom and dad said, he's going to Arizona. And they, they wanted me to go to SC. But right. I'm, like, I'm going to Arizona. This guy knew what he was doing. Right. This show is brought to you by DraftKings. Glenn, do you bet at all? You know a lot of guys in the NFL. Nope, never. You know what? I, I quit gambling my rookie year of football, so that's enough for me. That's I was going to say, that's fair. But DraftKings got a really good deal for you again. You put in $1, then you get a $150 bet. And you know what? You look around the NFL – what teams don't you know somebody on there, Glenn? Off the well, there are not many. There are not many. Maybe the Patriots at this point and a few others, but I know somebody there in the front office or on the staff. That's just right. I'm going to know somebody there. Well, I went against the Giants last week, so sorry, Glenn. I didn't mean to bring that one up for you right there. That's okay. <laughs> I love I loved the organization, the Maras, Jason Garrett. They're all they're one of my good buddies. So for, for sure. Love them. So you got a lot of really good you got a lot of really good options right there. Hop on DraftKings and put in code word PHNX and get that to get that play rolling there. All right, we talked a lot Hold about. On. We, I got to say one thing though What's before up? going further. What's up? You notice when you started the show and it was DraftKings and he said gambling problem, call this. <laughs> Correct. You know, isn't it funny? We don't ask people like alcohol. You know, you know, drinking problem, do this. Right. Cigarettes, <laughs> we don't do that with anything but gambling. Why is that? Right. Because we're. You know what? I think at this stage, and we're just looking. We're looking out for the people. Whereas with it, with get with uh, drinking, people are like, "All right, just go with it." I think right, it's so just if I'm watching a show on TV and I got bikini clad clad girls and they're I don't know what they're advertising, but something shouldn't they say if you have a sexual addiction? You know, <laughs> call the <laughs> yes. number. Honestly, uh, at what point do we stop this nonsense? You know what it is, Glenn? I guess DraftKings is on the f- cutting edge of everything. Maybe they're going to start that rumor. Or no, I think they're, they're by, a little required by law to probably put it up there. I mean, it's just for, ridiculous. I think that's I think that's for sure. Yeah. All right, so let's talk a little bit. All right, you talked about Tommy. Now, where if you're Jed Fish right now? Because, I mean, I watched the game. I was at the game. There must have been 15,000 people there, 19,000 right. people. There's just not a ton of people there. First of all, what do you tell the fans if you're Jed Fish? And second of all, what is your MO and how do you continue to sell this and say, you know what, stick with me. We're going to be able to make this work. Uh, if I'm Jed Fish, I don't do any of that. Um, the only okay. thing that sells fans is winning. Right. And game day experiences. And so you start winning, more people are going to show up. 
mm-hmm. you the facilities people and athletic department puts together game day experiences. That's not the football coach. His job is to win. So if he starts winning, more people show up. Game day experience will get better as U of A has more options to do things with people. That'll get more fans in the seats. One thing that I love about people, fans in particular, and it's also what something I hate, you know, when I hear, oh, I like college football, it's so much more passion. No, no, it's not. For sure. It's, you know, it's easy to have passion when you know your team's going to win. Right. Alabama wasn't filling that stadium at all back at, in the 80s. When Mike Shula was there. There was nobody in those stands. When you're great and you know you're going to win, or at least you're going to be in the game, fans show up. That's just mm-hmm. the way it is. College fans are passionate because they know their team's going to win. They don't show up because NFL fans, they show up just because. Right. They love their team. They're going to be there. So well, it, it, that's the number one thing. I, if I'm Jed Fish, I don't I worry about winning. Winning takes care of all the all the ills, all the problems. It, get, it gets rid of them. Yeah, because I think about it too. Like you know, like when during you know the like I'll, I'll bring up 1998 again. You know that was a really special time during Arizona athletics because you had basketball, which was at an all time high. You're coming off a national championship. Football finishes top five in the country, but football was a hot ticket there, Glenn, and it right. wasn't because. It wasn't because of, you know, community outreach, although that didn't that didn't hurt because you had guys, you know, the media could come in and talk with guys. It was because they were good. People wanted to go and watch a good team. You hit the nail on the head. And I didn't really thought about it. But if you go to a bar and you watch a game, the Dallas Cowboys haven't been relevant in 25 years. You know what you're still going to see there? A lot of Dallas Cowboy football fans. You don't see that in college football. It's a great point right there. You know, and the thing is, like, there's certain teams. Dallas is one of them. The Giants are one. The Chargers, when they were in San Diego, was one. Uh, Raiders. They're going to fill the stadium no matter what. People right. are going to be there. And, right. And you don't see that in college football. You just don't. It's uh, And I, I can't think of any team that does. And when people think of it, they'll tell me a team. Yeah, it's a team that's winning right now. No, right. tell me a team that's, that's losing and filling their stadiums. You're not going to see it. Right. Now, all right. So, Fish. You look at the team right now, and obviously you're on a 15-game losing streak. What, in your opinion, is a a destination time period for being good in college football? Because it's different than college basketball, where you could hire a coach and he brings in three kids, and all of a sudden you're competitive. This is a re- this is a major rebuild on both sides of the ball. And why don't we get into it in the trenches with Glenn Parker segment right here? Yeah, there you go. In the trenches with Glenn Parker, I like it. That's a good photo. So, I, so how do you, so- what do you do there? I'm a, I'm a believer in this, and I'll never forget when Chris Peterson was hired at Washington. Washington's a very proud program. Had a lot of winning seasons. And I asked him, I said, Chris, you know, how's this going to go? Are they going to give you time? Because Chris came from Boise State. Mm-hmm. And the one thing you can say about the Mountain West Conference, or I should say, yeah, Mountain West Conference, your non-Power Fives, and your FCS schools, is they do a better job of developing talent for the NFL than all the Power Fives do. The Power Fives take great talent and get it to the NFL. All those others take talent that hasn't matured yet, and they develop it into talent for the NFL. And Because that's how they're going to win. If they don't do that, they're they're not going to win. Arizona is not – so I always go back to the big men, your offense and defensive linemen. Offensive linemen, there's about five kids in any given high school graduation class – any year that can probably really step in and start for a college program. And even that's pretty rare to have five. Is that because of the strength, physicality, maturity, the strength, and it's the, it's that it's full on mature male strength that 18 year olds just so rarely ever have. Right. 
once it shows up at the age of 22, 23, 24, whatever that is, and actually you're at your strongest 28, 29, 30, you, that's when you become the player you can be. Well, Arizona in the past wasn't recruiting that kid because he wasn't big enough. He couldn't play now. I mean, guys can play now. Well, there's right. five of them in the country. You're not getting them at Arizona. They're going to Alabama, Clemson, Penn State, Notre Dame, USC. That's about it. That's where right. they're going. Even Stanford develops those offensive linemen. They don't start as freshmen. For them. They de- take kids and develop them into great offensive linemen. So that's when I say that, Chris Peterson, I asked him this question. He said, I've been told I have as long as it takes to develop talent. So I'm sitting there in spring. I was there all week. Mm-hmm. And he's he's running a practice the way I was used to seeing practice run. How so? De- the on the emphasis was on development and good reps and pra- and practice habits. Too many times I've been colleges all over the country that I've been to, they do the same thing. Let's go fast. More reps. Go fast. Go fast. We've got to do this. It's like, well, bad reps are bad reps. I don't care if you get 100 of them in a practice or five. Give me a practice where I can get good reps out of guys so that I can get guys that practice so well. You know, it's, it, it's the old coaching adage. We don't practice till we get it right. We practice till we can't get it wrong. Right. So if you're just going fast, you don't have time to coach them. You're never, you're just, I think you're just spinning your wheels and you need time to develop guys, whether it be on offensive or defensive lines, whether it be linebackers, safeties, eyes out there, quarterbacks, seeing what they're going to see. That's how Chris Peterson did it. And he said, I've been told I got all the time I need. Well, what was it? Year four, five, he's in the playoff. Right. That's what we need to have is patience as as fans to understand that college football, it takes at least five years and more likely seven to nine to go from rock bottom to bowl team. And it's funny, I, and I'm going to go back a little bit to the late 90s there. I think of the offensive line under Tommy. And you look at that offensive line. You had Edwin Mulatalo, plays 10 years in the NFL, junior college kid, kind of the same, you know, comes in like you a little bit later on. Jose Portillo doesn't really become that guy until about a junior or senior. The only guy, Glenn, and you could speak to this much better than I could, the only guy that I ever saw come in here that was really ready to almost play almost immediately as a freshman or sophomore was Yusuf Scott back in the mid nineties. Yeah, he was kind of that one exception that I can and maybe And before him again, a Joe Toppelmeyer. Right. Came in undersized, but somehow got himself almost right away. And a John Brandon, John Brandon, they tried for three years to take his job from him. He just kept winning it. Nobody right. Take the job, you know, it's right. like those guys. And so you're absolutely right. It's you just, you're not going to get many guys like that, but Tommy knew how to take guys at the right time. I always like to say, I do a lot of speaking in for corporations but i also do it for teams and i always try to tell parents don't worry about your sons boys are like popcorn they're not not like girls they're like popcorn and he's and everybody wonders what i mean i said well when you start a pan of popcorn they don't all pop at the same time now so right. i want to pop real early and if you want to grab them out of the pan they're going to taste great but if you leave them in that pan you know by the time the rest of them all pop those ones are burned up and nasty you don't want them Right. That's boys. A kid that maxes out at 14, 15, 16, that kid's not going to be a great college football player. But a kid that starts popping at 18, 19, 20, that kid's going to be your stud at 22, 23 and go to the NFL. 
Do you know that when you're looking at a kid, if you go to a Servide game or a Bosco game, can Glenn Parker, who's obviously got a lot more insight than the average person, can you look at a kid pretty quickly and say, that's a kid three years down the line that's going to be a problem, as opposed to this kid right now that he might be good, but he's not going to get any better? I can look at I can look at offense, defensive linemen. I can usually tell linebackers and tight ends. Mm-hmm. And even sometimes wide receivers, you can kind of focus on them too. A lot of it is you get to see them around their parents, see what their mom and dad are. You know, because listen, boys take after their mom's height. Right. I don't care if you got a six foot ten dad. If mom is tiny, you're, that's going to mitigate how big that boy gets. How tall was your mom then, Glenn? My mom was five eight nine, and my grandfather okay. on her side was six foot five and was a silent screen actor. So, six foot five in the 19, 1915, 1920. <laughs> like 11 now. Was a big dude. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. If, so, if you like what you're listening to right now, you should subscribe to the AZ Wildcats podcast uh, on Apple, Spotify. Go to GoPHNX. Got a lot of really good stuff going on there. Interviews with guys like Glenn Parker, great articles. And you know what? Like we talked about, backed by DraftKings. Back in the day, if there was an over or under with Dick Tomey's teams, playing teams, you would want to bet the under on DraftKings there, Glenn. You know that one. I do know that. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons he was run out of town, by the way, because, well, his offense is boring. I'm like, how can winning be boring? I never, I was still in the NFL when it happened. I was like, how can winning be boring? I can't believe they're doing this. And it just blew me away. And there were so many games too. I just think of like, there was a line Miami playing Arizona, like back in the day, it would be like 21 and a half. Well, you know what? If you had DraftKings, you're going to bet the under on that. Cause it's probably going to be nine to seven. And there's an excellent chance that Arizona is going to win that game. Yeah, absolutely, because we understood Dick Tomey had a, a, a traditional um, football mind. Mm-hmm. You play offense, you defense, you run the ball, you play special teams, and you play field position. That's how you win games. In the NFL, there's a reason lines don't very often exceed about nine. <laughs> it's very right. rare right? Uh, because they know that's how that game's going to go down. The emphasis is going to be on defense, special teams, field position, ball control. It's how you win games. Now let's go to uh, let's go to an inside the fishbowl segment too that I've got for Glenn right here. There we go. Look at Jed. Look uh, okay, here's here's my question for you now because obviously we talked a lot about the offensive line, quarterback play. Now, what? How quickly can you get a quarter? Let's just assume for a second. I don't. Let's just assume the quarterback of the future isn't on the roster right now. Mm-hmm. What what should an expectation be for a quarterback coming in here? Because there haven't been a lot of guys that came in as freshmen and were really, really good. OJ was pretty good, but he regressed. There what there haven't been a lot of guys. What should be the time frame for bringing in a kid and say, you know what, that's an all-conference guy right there? Well, where we are at Arizona, we're obviously we're not USC, we're not the Georgias, Alabamas that are gonna get the, you know, one of those top five kids. Mm-hmm. We need to give we need guys to mature over the course of two, three years, four years. You know, it, it, they come in, they redshirt, they sit for years, the next guy. And then maybe their soft their sophomore junior season, they become a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that time frame will shrink as we build the program or we're winning more games. You're going to end up getting better guys. And that's the thing. People think, oh, they won. They won this year. So they're going to get a lot of good guys. Well, one year winning doesn't mean anything. Right. Six straight years of winning means a lot. A right, for sure. They're always winning, always going to bowl game. I want to go there. Right. Now, when when you think of the the best quarterbacks in U of A history, you know, like I, I think during, you know, obviously you had Tom Tunnicliffe back in the 80s. You had, you know, Keith Smith, you know, uh, Nick Foles later on. These were guys that I think at Arizona, 
you just, if you have the right template, Glenn, you don't need to be a dynamic guy. You need to be solid and be able to execute what the, cor- what the offensive coordinator wants. Well, you know, that's the template in the NFL, too. You know, if you take all your superstar quarterbacks, how many Super Bowls do they really have? Take a look at all the other guys that seem to win them now. Uh, you know, it, it, there's a reason guys from the MAC, guys from FCS, stay in the NFL forever. That's how they're forced to play in their college career. Mm-hmm. Their template is, hey, don't make mistakes. Play within ourselves. You don't have to be flash. You don't have to be the greatest guy on earth. We're going to win some games that way. Right. So that's what we need at Arizona. It's the same thing. And, you know, and I think what you're going to find is because of the way they're going to be running their offense under Jed Fish and Brennan Carroll, that they're going to get kids who want to be great, who want to go to the next level. And then if we can, if we give them time to build this thing, and I say that that's that five year or more time span to build this thing then you're talking better and better players and quarterbacks are going to want to come because they are winning. They have been there. They have the track record. The hard part, and, you know, even like Sumlin, I wanted to give him time until my, I gave up on Sumlin when he had showed no passion after losing to ASU that first season. Right. You can't do that to me. Right. I'm sorry as an alum, you can't do that to me. you got the guy who played there, I, 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 and, I, and the way we lost that game, he showed no passion, no ownership. I was like, wait a minute now. My problem, you know what a problem, and it's funny you mentioned that. My problem with someone was that. That was a big part of it. But when, you know, it, and you you have, you have a, you've been around the city a long time. Right now, Sal Point, again, they get 85% of the kids in the city, the really good ones. Now, again, there are some good kids sprinkled at Catfoot, uh, CDO, but by and large, they're at Sal Point right now. When I'm reading that he's showing up there twice, you know, in a four or five month period. And you've got guys like Bijan Robinson and Lathan Ransom and Mateo Melee. Again, maybe you don't get those guys, Glenn, but at the end of the day, I'm going to recruit you until the very last second because I don't get kids like that in my backyard. Right. And it's, how hard is it to go the, the mile and a half from your office over to South Point? Right. You now, granted, you're a head coach. You can't go there that often. You have rules, right. but you can have guys there. You can have mm-hmm. people there. You can be, you, there's a lot you can do. Um, and I, and I agree with that sentiment off completely. Um, the fact you said South Point gets 85% of the kids in school, often to the detriment of the talent at South Point. No I doubt. I say that because there's good kids that could probably, and I and I, I, I knew Dennis Benet and Rocco very well. They were great coaches, and, and I love you know the way they handled themselves and what they've done. Mm-hmm. But too many kids go there thinking, I'm going to be a part of a championship and get a scholarship if I go there but they never make the field. Whereas if they were somewhere else, they'd probably play, develop, and become a better player. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, you, you look at the CDO. That's C- important. Right. I mean, you look at you look at the CDO mantra. Does a guy like, you know, a, a Jared Tevis, I don't know that he hits the field at South Point. I don't know that he gets right. that opportunity. And right. I think that's a, that's a good point. And that is something, though, because people are already, and I think it's a very reactionary attitude, but a lot of people now are saying, oh, well, I'm out on Jed Fish. Listen. I, I, you, you, he inherited an absolute mess. And so far people are saying, well, you know, he's telling me all this stuff. No, he told you to show up to the game and support the team. He wasn't saying that you were going to go to the Rose bowl this year. And at least from a recruiting perspective, you talk to coaches around the city, around the state, he's putting in the effort, unlike guys like someone or even rich rod did to this point. Again, who knows if it works out, but he's at least laying the groundwork by showing an effort there, Glenn. Right, a hundred percent. And and I'll address something you said there, where people, you know, fans. I I hope that there's I, I hope there's somebody that paying attention to Twitter, Facebook, and all these 
and taking these fans' names down that say, because I'm going to tell you right now, I think the most vile thing a fan can say is, I'm embarrassed. What are you embarrassed right, about? Right, exactly. On the field. You are rooting for a team. To say that you're embarrassed by the performance of some 18 to 24-year-old kids out on the field tells me a lot more about you than about that team. Those kids are trying their hearts out. They're not bad kids. They're trying their hearts out. The coaches are trying. Nobody goes into this to lose. And to say you're embarrassed as a fan, I think is it just speaks volumes about you as a person. And I just, at that point, I want everybody that, I want someone who's monitoring all this to start the list of names. So when the when they get good at some point, we can just say, no, 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 you didn't want a part of it. Remember, you were off that wagon when you were embarrassed. I just, well, I, it's wild you know to me. I hate it. You know what it's akin to? It's akin to the guy who says, I hate that kicker. I hate him personally because he missed that kick. Dude, There is, I guarantee you there is nobody that feels worse than a kicker when he misses a game. He doesn't need you being you know, upset at him. He's the one dealing with it, not exactly. you. Exactly. So these kids, they, they're, they're hard on themselves. And it's, it's, you know, support's always better than negativity, no matter what. And I just really, I get so frustrated with people that say that. I, I have to leave fan groups all the time. Like, I'm out. I can't listen to these people right. anymore. <laughs> what do you look at? When you think of the Pac-12 South over the next three to four years, it's kind of an interesting situation that Arizona's in right now because USC's in flux. I would imagine they're going to hire a good coach this time because they have a new AD who doesn't have the whole USC mantra that's just a guess. Chip Kelly, you know, has things going better at UCLA now than he did. ASU as a whole, who knows what's going to happen after this year. Utah's always going to be solid under Whittingham. And I think Colorado has been spirited under Durrell. But there isn't that one program right now that you look at for the next three to four years, and that should always be SC, but it hasn't been, where you look at it and say, oh, man, they're going to run things for the next three to four years. They're at least on paper. Isn't that team right now, Glenn? No, there's not. USC has the most likelihood of getting there fast because of right. who they are, where they sit. And if they hire the right coach, that's going to happen. But the opportunity that's presented with everybody else being in flux right now, and actually with the Jetfish hiring being before those other programs, you know, the, the real thing in Colorado, it's spirited. I don't know. We're up to wait and see. Whittingham is a known quantity. He's always going to be solid. He's always going to be good. Will he ever get over the hump? Will he ever be able to recruit enough speed on the exterior and on both sides of the ball to win? I don't know. ASU looks like does Whittingham be- feel does Whittingham feel a little bit like Stanford? Do you a little bit of a poor man Stanford in that in that you're always going to have the guys in the trenches, but you always wonder are you going to have the guys on the outside? Yeah, I think that's very a very good uh, comparison. I think they're the they're the poor man's not as smart Stanford. You know, mm-hmm. right, so, right. Um, but I, I, when I look at it, you know, you, you, it's just such an opportunity. To, the hiring efficient this time, the way he wants to build this thing, if he can get momentum, because ASU, I'm sorry, ASU is there. Who knows what's going to happen? It's a world of hurt right now. What it looks like, right? UCLA is never as tough as they should be. So as much as is, they've got it going. They don't have it going. You know, to the Terry Donahue down, days aren't there. Yeah, to win, to go and beat LSU and then lose to Fresno State, right? I mean, that's tough. Um, so I think there's a wonderful opportunity right now for fish and, and the cats in the next three to five years to put themselves into the solid upper half of the whole conference. And certainly to be the one of the two challengers to the USC spot, if USC hires well. Well, Glenn, before I let you go, I wanted to get to a little bit of your take and you should get that. You check this out at DraftKings because Arizona's 28 and a half point, uh, underdogs to Oregon this week. 
Um, I look at that and I thought before the season that Oregon was um, my only question was Cristobal was an X's and O's guy because recruiting wise, he's been absolutely fantastic. I think he proved a lot of people, including myself, probably wrong against Ohio State. You know, that's a bet that I would very much look at. You get in there and put in code word PHNX. You can get the $150 play if you put down one buck. But what's your take on that 28 and a half point line that you could find there on DraftKings? Well, I don't know that Oregon's the type of team that is going to blow people out. Right. To back up a minute. You should have known Cristobal was an X and O guy. He's an offensive line guy. Come on. Ah, ah my man, my Come man. Um, I I don't like speaking about gambling because, you know, it, people put their money on the line and then they're always mad at you because they, they follow. So go with your heart. What do you think? You know, right now, people are What's your heart tell you? Probably right now, most fans, I think, are going to bet Oregon and, uh, and given the points because of the performance against NAU. Mm-hmm. But, you know. What kind of home? What kind of home field advantage is Austin Glenn? It's probably the best in the country, and I say that because of quotes old coaches have said. I think it was Lloyd Carr at Michigan said, "Austin Stadium, the place great programs go to die." You know, he he famously went out there with the number four Michigan team, and yeah, off the field, um, and he went and, and it wasn't even a great Oregon team at that point under Aliotti. Um, it's the reason, you know. For us in the pack, we know it. We know it's incredible. It's probably much, much worse for anybody else because they're coming from a long distance. When I say that, anybody else, anybody outside the pack, right. coming from a long distance, and they don't know what to expect. They see small stadiums, not a huge crowd. This can't be that loud. It's unbelievable how how bad that place gets. Now, um, one last question then. So they got a, a cave on Thibodeau. Number one player in the nation came out of California, a kid that I think USC would generally get you know, if things are things are rolling there, uh, pass rusher, how good of a player he is and how, how good of a player is he just and I just mean historically through the last 10, 12 years in the conference right there on the defensive line for Oregon. Well, you know, for them, they've had a history of having great players, you know, Deion Jordan on that line. They've, they've had mm-hmm. so many that like, you go on. They've had a lot of great players on that D line. Um, Eric Armstead, guys like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it remains to be seen. It's one of those. We'll find out how good he is. Is he a flash in the pan? Is he a guy that's got one move? Does he have a counter? Can he rush? Can he run the circle and the hoop and also counter back inside with strength? Those are going to, those, you know, it's way too early to tell. One game against Ohio State and whatever, whoever else they've played isn't enough. Let's, let's see down the line in a year or two and see what he's got. All right, Glenn, can I get a prediction from you? On this game? Yeah, yeah. I'll just say uh, my prediction is I'll be rooting for the Cats and I'm going to hope they, uh, hope they fight. Because I, I, I just want the I support our team no matter what. I'm going to be there for him. Said like a true Wildcat. Uh, we'll be talking with you a lot throughout the week. But, Glenn, I can't thank you enough for coming on. To get an insight from somebody with your uh, credentials has been absolutely fantastic. No, thanks for having me, Mike. We'll talk to you soon, huh? All right, I'll talk to you soon. For Glenn Parker, I'm Mike Lou. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.